smoking a pint with me, Michael Levin. And me, James Jenkins. So how you doing, man? It's been a while since we've done like a show where we actually just talk about like normal shit. Yeah, it's been a good bit. I mean, we've had some pretty killer episodes recently, though. I mean, James Owen, Steven Erickson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was really cool. And there's uh, there's going to be one of the reasons I wanted to make sure we did this is because um, I wanted to let everybody know what some of the plans that we had for post holidays. Uh, yeah, there's some really cool uh, shows coming up. Yeah, you sent me some of the info for like some of the stuff you'd lined up and. I mean, you just keep knocking out of the park as far as like guests for the show. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 been a lot of a lot of like white dudes. Um, yeah, we did have a lot of. White. It, Maybe we should try to fix. I feel that. like it I need might. to. I feel like I need to. I need to like kind of mix it up a little bit. Like nobody said anything. Like, the, here's the thing. So, a lot of the fantasy that I was reading, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. was like kind of like the classic you know fantasy author so i mean i read like um obviously i read tolkien and I, we wouldn't be able to have him on the show but then there well, was yeah, like george yeah. r. r martin and, and you know robert jordan and then steven erickson and ellie modison and raymond feist and all these guys were like who i read who, who what caught me into the genre sure, you know yeah. what i mean so they're the they're the people like inevitably that i reached out to first and then i kind of realized that as i was you know getting more into the genre especially indie um oh yeah there's um there's a lot of authors that i really dig that um that don't fall under um the category of of, you know like that category but um the foundations of fantasy kind of were and you can't really escape that yeah i mean for a long time i didn't actually know that this is a fun aside i guess uh the first fantasy book I ever like read outside of like C.S. Lewis and Chronicles of Narnia, because that's you know usually the first kids book you read. But like Ursula Le Guin was my introduction to fantasy. Oh, cool! And I went from there to Anne McCaffrey. So like, I was a teenager when I realized like, oh wait, you mean you mean guys write fantasy too? So, yeah, like, I mean, but it's... now it's like yeah, you, everywhere you turn, it's like oh, everyone that writes in this looks like me. But but like you said, yeah, there are some amazing writers that are not white dudes. Yeah, and I actually posted because I was having such an ease at getting, uh, well, first of all, some big Q and A's for my uh, for my group, but also I, my plan is to turn all the a lot like all those Q and A's into uh, guests for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, is you know, and I put out who would you like to see uh, represented in a Q and A on the group, and I got a lot of really cool um, examples that I wouldn't have necessarily thought about, like Mercedes Lackey, for example. Oh yeah. Um, who, you know, has written like, I don't know, 50, 60 books. I've read and, a few, um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, like, and then um, I'm trying to think, you know, somebody said Robin Hobb, and, and I've actually been in contact with her a couple of times and interviewed her a couple of times for other um, Yeah, I think she was on one sources. of your other podcasts, I think. She was I, on, I remember listening been, to, is the Office in Focus, or? She's been on both. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, I listened to at least one of them. It was a very good she's interview. She's been on the one, she was on the one, um that uh jamie davis did that he That's no right, yeah. does and then okay. uh reed also interviewed her for um for authors in focus yeah so yeah so anyway um but the first uh the first one that that is imminent which i believe we're going to be recording uh on the 10th um i believe it's the 10th i have to check is uh ellie Modisett jr 
which is cool because he like hardly ever does podcasts anymore. Yeah. But I, I, I reached out to him at a time when uh, he just was happy to have somebody that wanted to kind of help him get a little bit more like current media exposure because sure. he's, he's totally a non-social media guy. Like if I do a Q&A with him, because I actually um, moderate a modest fan group, um, mm. is people send in their people, write their questions down. I send them to Lee and then Lee writes them back and I post them to the people that ask. Okay. Them. Like, yeah, it's so, a roundabout way of doing it, but if it yeah, works, yeah. So, so this is this is really cool that he's actually like so openly willing to come on this podcast. Yeah, we got to make sure we, we we get him on guilty pleasures and uh, yeah, I'd love to and, 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 keep, and pineapple on pizza and shit like yeah. That. Although I'm ready to retire that question now that I've got you on my side, <laughs> yeah, I might start asking other stuff. I, did I tell you about the picture a buddy of mine sent about uh, it was sliced kiwi on pizza? Oh, that sounds good though. Uh, yeah, my first instinct was like, oh, no. It's like, no, wait, no. I'm the fruit on pizza guy. I got to try it. But yeah, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, no, I could probably work pretty well. Yeah. So what's been going on? Like, um, you know, in your life, it's been a, it's been a, a mess of a crazy insanity and, time for me. Yeah. I, uh, not to go into too many details, but I've been spending a lot of time in and around doctor's offices for a lot of tests, uh, not for me, but I am the designated driver for a lot of doctor stuff. So that's been my life for the past couple of months, um, trying to get all that stuff figured out. Good news is we've eliminated some of the more horrible potential things. But other than that, life's been the same, just writing, plugging away, uh, working on the next release. What about you? What's uh, What's been going on in your life? I know you got some crazy Facebook events going on. Well, yeah, I got a, today was, it's weird. Like the, um, the Facebook algorithm has sucked lately. Um, but I have my wife actually on board, uh, helping me with, uh, some promotion and just organizing things. And this has been the best online event I've done in about three years. Like, I'm not even kidding. Every time I look, I have like 30, 40 notifications. Um, we were giving away books like wildfire, like, you know what I mean? Dropping, you know, 20 books would be gone in like four and a yeah. half minutes, kind of like the old days. And it felt like the old days. It was kind of nostalgic, yeah. you know, like back back when around the time that we met, and you know, started working together. And yeah, I was doing those giveaways when we, yeah. when we when we when we were when I was in Florida and we were doing the podcast. I was doing the podcast from there mm-hmm. and doing like holiday giveaways and uh, stuff like that. So something worked. Not exactly sure what yet. Um but I'm uh, my plan is to because I have so much more stuff to give away uh, if I can, because a lot of new faces. I think they came in because of the Steven Erickson um, Q&A yesterday, which was fantastic. Good. Uh, over 230 questions or something like that. All people I've, I've, I've never even like seen before. You know, there were a, a few familiar faces, but um, a lot of those people probably found the group and stayed. Uh, yeah. So now yeah. they're. They're doing that. Aside from from like just shit like that, um, I lost a grandfather a couple of weeks ago. I remember that. Yeah, we. I'm sorry, man. No, I mean, it, it, like, look, um, to get um, to get into one of those um, moods that I rarely get into, the within an attempt to be somewhat inspiring. Sure. Um, he was 97, almost 98. Okay. He had been married to my grandmother for 74 years. 
you can't really ask for more. Um, yeah. For, for very much more. So, you know, he, he had been sick for, I don't know, a month, maybe. Um, you know, and then when it happened, when he got sick, it happened pretty quickly. And uh, he didn't suffer for very long. So um, one thing that was cool is uh, it brought, there was a lot of family. There's lots, COVID is crazy again. And now they've, they've locked down everything, like just this week here. Um, wow. Because of Omicron, like everything yeah. is shutting down again. We're we're gonna be going into a full on phase one again. But before that, we we you know gathered with the family and we all were kind of forced to be together. Um, yeah, which is something that that um, you know when you're when everybody's busy with their own shit and everybody's got their own individual families, uh, it's hard to get like you know all the siblings and um, and their wives and the parents and you know everyone. Uh, together in one place and w- the realization we came to was that if there was a silver lining in this whole thing it was that um, just because we're forced to be together doesn't mean we should only be together when we're forced um, yeah. and it brought it brought out a lot of those emotions that you know uh, uh, you know the importance of family um, and so that was I mean it was I mean it's obviously sad um, but it also brought uh, brought a little bit of a silver lining yeah. as well. You know, it, it's not to lighten it, but it, it's less sad considering he was in his 90s, lived a full life. Like, if you're 30 something, then it's a tragedy. But I'm, yeah. I'm hoping, I, I don't want to assume, I'm assuming it wasn't too like painful for him. It was a peaceful passing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Then that's all you can ask for. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, when dude your when dude your age die, people are like, oh my god, they were so young, what a tragedy. When yeah. when dudes my age die, they start to say, yeah, he was kind of young. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's no, like it. I'm. Um, it's like that. Um, it's like that Louis C.K. Um, I don't know. Do, are we allowed to talk about Louis C.K. anymore? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, we can separate the artist from the art, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, because it was it was he he said like you know when you're in your twenties and you know, something breaks, you'll go into the doctor and they'll like, they'll click it all back into place. And yeah. Like fix it and it'll be fine. And then when you're like in your forties and you go to the doctor and the same shit happens, they're just like, yeah, that's just going to happen now. You're just you're, broken that, forever. You're just, that's it. You're just, yeah. that this shit's going to happen. And like, and what do you want me to do about it? Like, I can't do anything about it for you anymore. You're fucked. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I agree, and and it is. It's it's it it's not a tragedy uh, in that sense, but you know, it's just you know, it's something that yeah. uh, that we were dealing with. It was something that definitely also made me uh, have to put a lot of focus in, which meant taking a lot of focus outside of my work life and having to play mad catch up when I got back. Yeah, um, which uh, is something that I'm I'm finally, and I'm taking my first like legitimate vacation in years where i'm after this event is over i'm just going afk and uh and i'm just gonna chill not good i think that's good for you but yeah so um you're what's the next project you're working on uh next project uh i want to do my rewrite of lightning's price i'm gonna get that done as quickly as i can right 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 yep so first draft's done like i mentioned before i've got the cover art ordered it's done. Um, so Lightning's Price and then Orcs of the Southern Front are my, that's probably going to be next year's two projects. If I can, I want to 
do more, but I'm going to try to not bite off too much. And those are the two I think I can complete. Yeah, I'm looking forward to finally being able to make an announcement that you've got new workout. It's, yeah, um, it's I have a novella that's ready to release. I'm just kind of waiting on the right time to do it and it won't be a big deal. This is a sequel to Knit Pearl Slip. I'm just going to kind of, you know, under the radar, drop that one. So, right. No, for sure. Roll it out. Um, I've, 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 oh, um, I outlined the final book in James Reed's in my 12 book series. Mm -hmm. Nice. So, sent him the outline. It's a big, crazy, uh, pretty epic book, I think. Um, Nice. Ties up all the loose ends. Uh, features pretty much every major character from the very beginning of Alehouse Wars in some way or another, not necessarily in the way that people that have read all the books are going to expect. Um, but in some way or another, they all make their way in there. Um, it focuses mainly on the captain, who is the central character from the Max and the Captain series. It's yeah. he, without giving too many too many things away, he is the most important character in the entire series. Sure. Um, you don't meet him until book five of the Cider and Ale Chronicles. Okay. Um, and you don't really know why you're meeting him either um, until later on. But he's uh, he's important. So the final book is kind of his big story. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's that's the other thing that uh, that oh. kinda, J- James finished his twelve book completed 12 yeah books i saw that drop out of the covers and i think you're doing like a book by book uh review for all of them yeah i'm trying I, yeah i i mean my reviews are are um are you could read that review and um and people would even like wonder if i actually read the book because i read <laughs> a lot i um i don't I refuse to spoil anything at all. Yeah, I mean, if you're reviewing book five in a 12 book series that isn't even out yet, you, you can't give. Yeah. Specific. I, um, like I was, I was actually like when I read his third book in the series, which is his best work, I think I was actually shaking. It was, uh, it was brilliantly the emotions. Oh, he, the emotion he puts into stuff is, is really astounding. And, uh, it was, it was really, really, uh, great. But I, I, I basically say, yeah, it was really there. There's some really great cinematic stuff happening. There's huge character moments. There's lots of plot twists, which there are. He loves to shock the shit out of you. Um, and uh, yeah, but so he finished that today. Um, and then the next thing that he's going to do after I've sent in my last two outlines, I've got all my chapters for the 11th book done. Um, oh, wow. I wrote a really big outline for the last book. It's like almost a, like it's a novella length outline. Um, with character points and actual dialogue in it and everything, and then nice. he's just gonna and then he's just gonna write it. Dude, that's probably a dream for uh, working for an outline like that. Whenever, yeah. anytime I outline something that in depth, the book goes so much easier. Yeah, I used no, to think I was a pantser. I'm definitely not anymore. I have to have an outline like that. Yeah, no, it's a really, really, um, it's a really strong, um, very detailed outline. He had actually said to me. Uh, cause I had given him an outline for the first book in that final trilogy, um, the Dirk book, you know, we've talked yeah. about it and I basically said, okay, in this, in this scene, Dirk needs to meet a, a puppy and, uh, it needs to interact with it. And in this book, he meets a girl and he talks her off a ledge. And in this book, he uses some type of magic, like think green lantern or something like that. And, um, 
he said, man, so when you're doing the next outline, can you make it a little bit more in depth than that Dirk one? And, and I realized that I was, I kind of thought with Dirk that because he was writing a basic epic fantasy story and yeah. he's written so many of them, like that's like his wheelhouse that um, I didn't have to outline as much because I was very focused on my sections and my sections were like those stream of consciousness kind of sections yeah. that tied in. Um, so for this one, I gave him like, you know, everything that he could ever need um, to finish the thing off. And I'm just going to let him write it. He'll probably write the whole, it'll be the longest book we've ever done. It'll, it might even be 55 or 60,000 words, which is like, you know, longer <laughs> than the other books. Um, I keep forgetting your books are so short too. No they wonder are, but they don't, so but you know many. what? Okay. Everybody, the best compliment that I've ever gotten, which is similar to the compliment I gave you for, um, yeah, Knights Knights. Of the Dead God. They're yeah. all like the later books are like as long as Knights of the Dead God, maybe um, Fixer. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we have a book that's like longer than than those yeah, two Fix books. Fixer's about seventy thousand. So okay, so yeah, the um, cider for Harborland is the longest one we have so far, and that's around the same length as uh, as Fixer. Okay. And then I, we have a couple that are around um, the same length of, as uh, Knights of the Dead God. And then the really early ones are super short. They're like, yeah. you know, 20, 25 to 35,000 words. Yeah, but the captain will be, a, a well, well, there's a lot going on. It might even go as as big as 65, 70,000 words, which for us is our yeah, thing is that's like a big, big book. You know what I mean? Honestly, I don't like, I, I enjoy a big doorstopper occasionally, but I lately I really like a quick fast read that still tells a full story you know yeah well by time it just i get intimidated by crazy massive thick reads like i, yeah. I tend to like i i even like pull out a wheel of time book that i hadn't read the other day and i'm like you know what show's on i'm enjoying it i think i'm gonna read this and then i started reading it and it was just taking me so long to just read three pages yeah I and, get it. and i was like oh maybe i should try the ebooks and then when I tried the ebooks, they still use the really small print for, for some yeah. reason for the Wheel of Time. Can you not change like, it? No, I mean it's just the way they're formatted. It's like oh, okay. um, I and I don't know why. I'm just like you know what? Now nah, I'm not going to read this. I'll just I'll just watch the show and you know deal yeah, with it. Yeah, the show changes a lot, but it hits some of the big points. So yeah, but that's it. So um, okay. you know, writing and um, and finishing. I had this <laughs> had this concept. Somebody said you should do, um, you haven't done a tequila book yet. <laughs> so, okay. so I was, I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, that's actually true. Um, I dig tequila and I've never done a tequila book yet. Um, so then I started thinking about, uh, worms, but like, you know, the oh, w, okay, the, okay. The, you know, the W Y R M worm. Because, oh hell yeah because, okay yeah, everybody, so everybody's got everybody's got like a different interpretation like some people just call a worm like they it's a like worm tongue like you know ancient dragon lore so you've got your sure. your dragon and they, they call it a worm and you know reed writes worms spelled w-y-r-m as kind of this in his new series is like this you know hermaphroditic godlike kind of perfected species that okay. actually kind of look like worms but they're huh. huge and they've got big teeth and they're super ugly and, and kind of horrific. Um, so I was thinking about that and I was thinking, well, what if you had like a worm, W-Y-R-M, in a bar drinking a tequila 
And the worm in the tequila, W-O-R-M, jumps out and says, wait, don't eat me. We're almost the same. We have the same name with one different letter. And then so spawns a buddy comedy. Okay. So it's not going to be part of your uh, like I, I, I current don't, series. I don't, fu- or... I, don't fu- I don't fucking think I'm actually going to do this. Okay, I, think, okay. I think this might be, I think even for me, this might be taking it a little <laughs> bit too far. Um, that's, if, that feels if, like a good short story idea to if me. I was, if I was going to do it, though, it would be like a buddy comedy between a worm and a worm that yeah, get drunk. Yeah, and yeah. It, would be called, it would be called A Worm and a Worm Get Drunk. Um, and that, yeah. would be, that would be it. <laughs> But um, no, I actually thought of, I've, I've had other ideas. I want to, I really want to write from the perspective of a female character um, yeah. as, as my, my MC um, and do something that's completely different, not have any of the characters from my previous series sure. or any throwbacks to anything and try something very different. Um, and that's a good thing as a writer, writing the other. Like when I first wrote uh, my first, Knights of the Dead God with the main protagonist is a six-year-old girl. Right. There's something about that that was so just exciting. Like it, the writing was so much more fun than when I wrote like a straight white dude character. You right. Know? And you did it and you did it so well. Um, and uh, I always, it's something that always fascinates me. It's something that I'll usually, a lot of times I'll, I'll dig into in an interview. Um, mm. When I read a, um, you know, a male writer that, that gets the female voice, uh, main MC voice, uh, so well is, um, you know, I'll say like, you really captured that. Like, how did you, how did you do it? Like, how were you able to, and, and a lot of the times the answer will be, I just write people. Yeah. Um, that's really the only answer you can give, you know, and I, and I thought about that and I, I had an idea, but, um, in the meantime, there might be a, uh, little uh, reader magnet type of short story about a worm and a worm that get drunk. Yeah, that's it sounds like a great short story idea. It's, I don't know yeah. if there's a lot of meat on that, but no, a no, short but story it, doesn't need meat. But it'll be it'll it would be good for a couple of chapters of, of fun and sure and yeah maybe a couple of laughs. Um so I know that uh, we had discussed earlier that that we both saw um Spider Man uh yes. No Way Home this past weekend. Um so I want to. I definitely want to talk about that. I didn't even realize. I mean, that's a big one. Um, yeah, it's huge. And I, I didn't even realize that you had seen it, which is it's cool. So, but when I said I want to do this show, um, but let's. Uh, so let's get to that. But in the meantime, um, I think we have a couple of. It's been a while. Um, I sifted through some of the mail, and a lot of it was kind of yeah. not worth reading. But there were a couple that I, I figured that we would drag out just because okay. we haven't we haven't done this in a while. Um, so. Um, so do you want to start or should I? Yeah, I can start. Um, so there was one. It's not signed, but I feel I think it's from our old buddy Clint. So I wanted uh, to make sure we address, you know, his stuff because he's been with us from the beginning. Right. Or at least for, for, through version two. Um, so like I said, it's a really short one. But uh, the voices had stopped for a little while. Then they came back. But lately, lately they've had other voices better voices i think i can live with this curse of mine as long as you keep bringing the guests no more of just the two of you please god please and that's all that that's all he wrote (laughs) so i'm assuming whoever it is i'm assuming it's clint um so this episode is for you buddy merry christmas yeah happy holidays (laughs) happy hanukkah whatever 
<laughs> what whatever you celebrate, this one is for you. It sounds like he's liked our guests though, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. I mean, nothing not to like, right? Yeah. It's been uh, it's been really it's it's been good with that. So anyway, um, there will be many more guests. Uh, just in all uh, in all seriousness, as this uh, as this thing goes on, there, there will be lots of new guests. I like the the format of kind of making this kind of two different types of shows. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to get into the ridiculous questions with guests like Erickson and, um, and I mean, I Ellie do, Modest. but I won't out of respect. Yeah. I mean, there's some that you can like, I mean, like RJ Barker is going to come on, I think. Oh, um, is he? Yeah. Yeah. I talked to him. Oh, dude. RJ yeah, is one of, I think my favorite fantasy authors of all time. Well, me too. And now I read just, broken kingdom or wounded kingdom on your suggestion and it became my just all time favorite. Yeah, I was like an absolute wreck reading that series. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been he, putting putting off the bone ships just because I know it's going to destroy me. It's good. It's good. It's hard. You know what's? It's hard because I loved Wounded Kingdom so much, and I loved Gurton. Oh yeah, Gurton's such a good character. So much, and Morella. Like I just I loved everything about it. Like it was just perfect. And then to jump into first of all different perspective, no longer first person. Yeah. And to get used to RJ writing. Um, a different character, different characters, but that's yeah. RJ. Like every time I've talked to him, like you know, he had a lot of a, a lot of fans that series, and a lot of people said, "Would you ever go back?" And he said, "No, I'm done." No, the All ending. For, I think the ending was perfect, so I, yeah, I'm fine with that. It was. He would never. He says though, he would never go back. Like it's like uh, he's a trilogy guy, and then he needs okay. to try uh, something new, or else he gets bored. Uh, but fair. yeah, we had that kind of. Uh, we haven't we haven't talked in a while, and I. And we talked, and yeah, he's totally down in the new year. Awesome, to, yeah, I uh, love that. To you know, come on some podcasts, do some interviews, and stuff like that. So uh, he will come on, and uh, you know, so he's a guy that we could talk to about stuff like that. And like yeah, Nick, and Nick, I need Eames, to ask him like, about antlers. Yeah, we could ask him about antlers. Like when Eames comes on, you know, we can talk to him about anything we want, because um, that's like you know the type of guy he is. He, he appreciates yeah. that. But I mean, it's you know, like a, a guy like. Ellie Modisett that's written a hundred books and is 78 years old. Yeah. Um, fair. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, it's yeah, just not somewhere yeah. I'm going to go. Um, so yeah, I've got one. Um, okay, you, yeah, might appreci- you might appreciate this one actually. Okay. Uh, it's very short. It just says, dear BAAP. I love the show. I was wondering if James had any holiday inspired recipes that he can offer all the best, Rachel. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is something my mom makes every year for like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Very simple. Uh, it is a, a cranberry jalapeno cheese dip. Oh, wow. So basically you just finally dice up some uh, cranberries, some jalapeno, some onion. I think it's onion in there. Uh, then you pour it over uh, just a block of cream cheese and you eat crackers with it. And it's the most delicious fucking thing I've ever had. Yeah, that so, sounds amazing. It's yeah. almost worth like, you know doing like uh, an episode that uh, has some video in it and where we can actually just get you making that <laughs> something. Yeah. <laughs> I could, I could teach everyone how to make my sushi, which is like the easiest fucking thing in the world. So, yeah. So Rachel, there, there you go. Um, James Jenkins jalapeno cranberry cheese dip just oh. in time for the holidays. What do you recommend eating that with? What type of, like a bread, like uh, a, a bread I personally like it with a rice cracker. I really rice like cracker. rice crackers. I think, in my opinion, they're the best for like cheese dips and things. So yeah. awesome. 
So there you go. Try this with a rice cracker uh, right in uh, and let us know what you think. Yeah. Um, I might actually try that, too. Yeah, I should, so, I should find the um, actual recipe. I'll post it in the uh, show notes. Excellent. Excellent. So let's get to um, let's get to Spider-Man. Yes, please. Dude. Oh, man. Um, how do we do this without spoilers? It's still uh, way too young to. Uh, yeah. Like, it, I feel like, I feel like if I were movie. to talk, if I were if I were to talk about like Guardians of the Galaxy part one right now or even Endgame, I feel like I could just totally. Oh, give yeah, away the yeah. entire thing and if you haven't watched it by now but this is like way too uh too young to to really say too too much um let's start with did you like it i loved it i think it might be like at least in my top three of the mcu movies right now yeah if not yeah. my favorite so oh my god how do i talk about this movie without spoiling it um yeah it was uh this is the only thing I'll say. Did you see Ghostbusters? We talked about Ghostbusters. I haven't seen Afterlife yet. Oh, no, I haven't seen, seen it. it yet. No. Okay. So there are people that would that will watch Afterlife that may be disappointed about certain elements. Sure, of. sure, sure, sure. Um, going into this movie with whatever expectation that you have, there is very little that I think would possibly be able to disappoint you. Yeah. No, that's fair. So uh, a guy I work with made a comment about. Um, so I, I don't know. Some of our listeners will definitely agree with this, but it's pretty much universally accepted that the the, the sequel trilogy of Star Wars left a lot of people disappointed. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff that like you were expecting some sort of uh like satisfaction or like payouts for stuff that was set up. No Way Home made me feel the way I had hoped Episode Nine was going to make me feel. It had resolution for things I didn't even know I needed resolution for. Yeah. Yeah. And there were a lot of things, too. The previews did an amazing job. Oh, man. Yeah. At, it's like, again, I, I feel like I'm going to give shit away. Um, but the previews did an amazing job of um, getting you hyped for a movie. Yeah. Even though it was absolutely not the movie that the previews No, but the previews like kept it. Yeah, it was amazing. So like when you if you go back and watch the previews, they still look awesome and they still yeah. make you say, "Oh cool, Dr. Octopus is back." You know what I mean? Yeah. And and like Dr. Octopus might be working with Spider-Man and that's kind of cool, but that's not this movie. No. Um and um and I can't even talk about who's in the movie the bad guys that are in the movie or anything because it's going to give too much away. But what I will say um, is I'm, so I'm going to say, I'll say one. Minor if I need neg- to, I can uh, censor it out for you. I'll, I'll bleep I'm gonna, it if no, I I'm need not to. Gonna, I'm not going to spoil anything because there, there's, okay. there's things that can be talked about. Like people will see it and then we'll, later we'll talk about this movie once it, sure. it gets, to, once it gets to the point where I feel like we can actually talk yeah, about this. Probably movie when we start the new year, we can, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. But what, so as much as I love this movie and I agree with the, with the reviews, like the 93% on Rotten Tomatoes uh-huh. or whatever, like you'd have to be like a, a pretty, like the type of critic you would have to be to, to give this movie a bad review because there's so much good about it. Yeah. The acting sure. was, the acting was good. The characters, like every single one of them um, was believable yeah. and it was it's like you you felt like you would experience this journey with these characters. And it was it was really great. Um, 
I'm a big suspend your disbelief type of guy. If you, mm-hmm. and all you have to do is, is read my stories. Um, yeah. and you'll know right from the very beginning that like I mess around with like implausible worlds where characters do things that don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and random people that can open up portals to different worlds. Um, and I have a, a planet called planet Steve where everybody's name is Steve. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so like I'm, I'm, I get the whole suspend your disbelief concept, but even for me, there were a few things in this movie where I was like, but why, why did this happen? Why did this have to happen? Um, did you feel that way at all? No, I felt for the most part, everything that happened made sense to the story and sense for the characters. I, I can't think of any moment where I felt like that my, I had to resuspend anything. Yeah, I mean, like it worked. It it worked. I'll just. Say I, I'm more. wondering, what's that? No, what were you gonna ask? I was just, I was gonna ask if uh, if the ending specifically is what your issue was. Yes. Okay. Yes, and I and okay. I don't know how to. I don't even know how to say that without I, giving I, away I, the ending. I think I get what you're saying. Um, I think I had the opposite of that experience because for me. That ending specifically fixed every issue I had with the previous two Spider-Man movies. And then I would have to ask you what your issues with yeah. the previous two Spider-Man I, I'll, movies. I'll say this, and I don't think it'll ruin it for anybody, I hope. But I felt like the uh, Homecoming and Far From Home didn't feel like a real Peter Parker Spider-Man story. They felt like an MCU story, which isn't a bad thing. I love the MCU. I think it's been telling some great stories. But it didn't feel true to the Peter Parker that I knew growing up. Right. And the way they end this movie, he now feels like that character to me. Yeah. That's actually a, you know what? Like, the way you've described that is making me think about it in a different way. And I don't know if I was just um, angry. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Like, that ending, if if I didn't like that sort of ending already, I probably would have been upset too. But for me, it was like, okay... I my complaints about the other two Spider-Man movies are very minimal, but they did exist, and this ending literally fixed them. Yeah, what so. I what I definitely like, and what I can definitely say about this trilogy, and the reason I think that now after this movie it will it will stand up as a classic trilogy, yeah, um, is that each installment was progressively better. Yes, oh, one hundred percent for sure. Like, and I like so. When I like when I read a book, like and you know that's one of the things. Like you know, I, I mentioned um, Reed's twelve book um, series. I, I'm on book three right now, mm-hmm. and book three felt like such a climax. Like it felt like what all the, the the stuff that went on in this third book felt like a little bit like you know like Return of the King to me. Oh wow! Um, okay. Like not not because it was necessary or or like um, Deathly Hallows not because it was necessarily anything like those books, but because there was so a much went on. Conclusion. If, it, if it was a movie, there was no conclusion. It, 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 it didn't conclude because there's nine more books afterwards. Okay. Well, I was going to ask if maybe he has like four trilogies as part of the series. No, okay. no, 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 not really. I mean, each book feels very different. It deals with different things. It's not just like one long thing that could be one book. Okay. Um, where it's just separated because it needed to be separated by pages. There's like a specific difference in each one, but this one felt massive. 
and the stuff that happened. And if it were a movie, there would be like so much crazy scores, music, music battles. And, you know, just imagine like the last movie in a big epic series felt like that. And there was nine books afterwards. I like when I read something, uh, when I read a series for it to start and progressively build and slow burn and build and build into something monumental. And then all of a sudden you look back to the first one and you're like, wow, this was really kind of a baby story in comparison to where we are now. And I feel like the Spider-Man series definitely had that. Um, I like uh, anything meta, um, as you know. Yeah. Uh, so um, there was a lot of that in this movie, and I feel like I can say that with also without giving too much away. Yeah, I think by this point, most people are going to know a good chunk of that sort of spoiler stuff. But yeah, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I think it was obvious. So the things I can talk about is the fact that you know a lot of the bad guys um, yeah. from the other, you know, the it, there's a there's a multiversal element. You know that because. They talk about it in the preview. And, and that's and, very much this current phase of the MCU is the multiverse. Right. And it has something to do with Doctor Strange. We know that yeah. because, you know, Doctor Strange is in the preview. Um, so we've got uh, these bad guys that are, are that come in from and, and they do a really good job of um, comparing and contrasting the world, the cinematic world we lived in Um 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. uh, In comparison to now, um, even the joke. And I think this was in the preview um, where, where Dr. Octopus says his name is Otto Octavius. And they laugh at him. And and they all laugh and they say, come on, what's your real name? Like there's a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. And um, it was funny. Like there were actually like, it's, there were parts of it that I actually thought were like genuine comedy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Some of the conversations that different characters have with each other, and again, I, not to spoil things, but a specific character is like down on himself because he doesn't think he's as cool as everyone else, and another character is like, "Come on, man, you're amazing." That whole exchange had me so happy, like just those two characters interacting with each other and like being supportive of each uh, other. Yeah, yeah, no, I know it was. Um, yeah, it was great. I can go. Um, I'm a you know, I'm a big fan of team dynamics and yeah. anything like I, I one of the reasons why I love the Batman comics um, is because for so long it's focused on like the Bat family. Yeah, um, oh yeah, for sure. And uh, and there's yeah, like there's some there is some really great stuff. It managed to be one of the most highly emotional, um, oh, darkest yeah. darkest movies I've ever seen. Um, like really, there were some dark. Oh, yeah, that that just twisted with me and some scenes where I'm like, why are they doing this? Why are they making these? I also liked the uh, the moral, though, the whole concept of um, of, you know, being a good person. I feel like um, the vision of the hero mm-hmm. of the true hero in um, in the current age is so different than the yeah. vision of the hero 20, 25 years ago, where it was all kind of like machismo and. Um, sure. You know what I mean? Whereas the real hero, like the heroics were not really about that. The heroics were about being able to see everyone as a human, as a person. Yeah. See everyone. I, and, yeah, no, 100%. Like that was something, again, that I loved about this movie is that the real heroic things, there, it wasn't the big, I'm stronger than the bad guy and that's why I win. It was, I am willing 
to make the mature hard choice. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so anyway, I mean, I'll definitely say that uh, I, I, I want to see it again. Um, I have to ask you because the answer to this is always no. Did you watch the after the credit scene? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. I did. And I did. And I loved it. And it was, and it made me smile um, right away. I had a, I knew, I think I knew what it was going to be because I heard some people talking about it. Yeah. Um, it'd been slightly spoiled for me I'm as well. I'm still not, I'm still not a hundred percent sure where everything is happening. Um, and I'm still not a hundred percent sure how it's going to play out. But sure. uh, after the, um, and it's weird to say, and you'll know what I'm talking about, even though I'm not mentioning anything. Uh, after the after some of the intensity and the darkness of that movie, um, yeah, to see that scene just made me smile. Yeah, that, that yeah. was it was a good pickup. Like the ending had me very hyped. Like it was it was a very like emotional like oh yes finally moments that like the last scene right before the credits started rolling. But yeah, then that that mid credit scene really had me like okay yeah all right good like I was it was funny it was kind of humorous but it also reminded us of what had happened and had it gave us something to look forward to you know if and when spider-man comes back yeah yeah no it was um yeah so i will say i want to see it again um i remember loving uh, i remember feeling almost this way when i saw um far from home homecoming sure. i didn't homecoming i didn't love um, okay yeah that's fine i didn't love it i i um I thought Michael Keaton was decent in his role because he's good, but I thought that the character was was not. I didn't think was very ominous. I thought that. Um, I think the problem with Homecoming is that it came after Endgame. Or no, it didn't come after Endgame. It came. It came after. What did it come after? It came off. It came out after. Um, well, Spider Man's introduction was in Captain America: Civil, Civil War. War. So it came out after Civil War. I feel like everything else. Had, no, I'm thinking of uh, Far From Home. Far From Home is one that came after Endgame. Far From but Home I feel is like the one that. Far from wherever, was the one, yeah, it was the one with Mysterio. Yeah, wherever the Spider-Man movies have released, they've usually been like after a really big movie. Like Homecoming was after Civil War, which was basically an Avengers movie, and Far From Home was after Endgame, which was like the biggest thing ever. So it right. always felt, it almost felt like I, I always appreciated it, but it always felt like a little bit of a downgrade as far as yeah. the MCU went. Yeah, I mean, I, I also think that like Tom, like. Tom Holland was like very very young when um, when Homecoming came out. Uh, uh, no, I mean he was. I think he was in his twenties. Was he? Yeah, he, he just no, looks. I mean, he, like, played, he just looks like a child. Maybe yeah, but there was just something about like he really. I didn't coming off of the um, off of the Amazing Spider-Man movies, which actually I just watched the second one a little bit of the second one before I came down to do this because um, I really enjoyed Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker too. Yeah. Did you? Oh, I loved him, yeah. Yeah, like I thought he was awesome. Like, um, But coming off of the little bit, because all because the Spider-Man comics I read um, were when Peter was married. Um, and he already sure. had a little, he already had a little bit more confidence because he was a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's you know fair. what I mean? Yeah, and, I get it. Uh, and I felt like he was just so, I almost want to call him like a crybaby a little bit, like in the, uh, in the first one. But then I feel like um, I mean, he, he is 16 in Homecoming. The character is right. That, that makes sense. Like, it, I feel like it's, but it is. It's a decent. It was a decent coming of age for the character, and yeah. I thought that everything else that he did was fantastic. Um, so, 
I would want to kind of watch them all over again and, and definitely watch this. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man has some, has like the, um, the one with Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. has some, some really cool scenes that I had forgotten about because it had been a while. The first one where you yeah. kind of first see him as Spider-Man and he, there's just, it, he just kind of sneaks up on some like roughneck bat, random bad dudes. Mm-hmm. And he looks at them and kind of turns his head and gazes at them. And the, the glare of his chrome from his lens just looks at him and you can see how terrified these guys are. Um, yeah. And then he, he like starts being funny. Um, but he's kind of funny, terrifying because he really causes some pretty serious damage to these bad yeah. guys. And I like that. Like, I liked that version of Spider-Man. So um, I think it was a little bit of an adaptation to um, to the the new version. Mm-hmm. But by the end, I felt like it felt it all felt like it worked really well together. Yeah. And again, not to spoil anything, so I really don't want to, but we know the villains in this one sort of, you know, come from those other places too. Right. This this movie, uh, No Way Home, for me, again, in the same way it fixed the problems I had with Homecoming and uh, Far From Home, it retroactively made, like, the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies feel better to me. Right. Like, I, I already loved them because, you know... I. Tobey Maguire, I was a kid when it came out, so of course I loved Spider-Man. I remember seeing an amazing Spider-Man in my 20s and being like, oh yeah, he felt like a really good Spider-Man. He felt like an improvement on Tobey Maguire movies. I don't know if that's really the case. I think they're just different kinds of movies. Right. But yeah, retroactively, like I'm thinking back of those old movies a lot more fondly than I was, say, two weeks ago. Like I remember them really well. Like, yeah, I I actually love those movies and I love them even more because of this movie. Okay, you might need to bleep this out. Oh yeah, thank you. I will. Okay. Does the preview? Because I don't remember. Does the preview show um, Jamie Foxx? Yes. Yes, it does. Okay, so I can talk about. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. So it's okay. I can talk about. I loved his character in this one. Okay. So so Jamie Foxx was so good in this. Yeah. Um, he really was, and he was. He was. I'm not going to say anything about you know whether he was a good guy or a bad guy or whatever. I'm just going to say he was really good. Yeah. Um, I didn't remember thinking that Jamie Foxx was so good in Amazing Spider-Man 2. But when I went back and watched Amazing Spider-Man 2, I was like, holy shit, Jamie Foxx is really good in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it made me wonder why that movie wasn't appreciated more than it was, especially for Jamie Foxx's performance. Yeah, there were a couple things from Amazing Spider-Man 2 that really came out in uh, No Way Home. That like like the, I, again I won't say why but there was a scene there at the end that uh, both me and my fiance were actually tearing up in the theater watching it right and it's be- directly because of something that happens in Amazing Spider-Man two it's like yeah I don't know why that one wasn't appreciated as much as it was maybe it's Paul Giamatti in the rhino suit I don't know yeah I don't know and that was well I mean again or, maybe superhero it's... movies just weren't what they are now like no one cared as much it took the current mcu to make us care i guess i don't know yeah that's that's a good point um at the time everything was kind of like um you know you had the the detractors that um that thought spider-man 3 sucked and that sure and that dance scene sucked but they still felt but they still felt like toby Maguire was their spider-man yeah yeah i've heard that then all of a sudden why are they rebooting it? Oh, some people said they were rebooting it because they rebooted the Bat because Christopher Nolan's um, Batman movie showed like uh, 
like a different, darker kind yeah, of sure. about Batman or an edgier version of, of Batman than what they had done before. So Amazing Spider-Man was an attempt at doing that by getting into um, things that had never really been dealt with. Like, what's the deal with Peter's parents? Sure. Right? Yeah. And uh, and stuff like that. And, and presenting. I mean, I think that Spider-Man in general, in, in, in the first Amazing Spider-Man, was presented darker than Amazing Spider-Man 2, which... Yeah. They, where they lightened everything up a little bit, probably. A little bit, until the end there. Right. No, but I'm saying, if you watch Amazing Spider-Man, every Spider-Man scene takes place at night. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. yeah. There is not one. Maybe at the very oh. end, when he swings at the end of the movie, you yeah. see like one sort of daytime New York scene. But every other scene in that movie with, huh. with Spider-Man on camera takes place at night in the dark. I'd never noticed that. That's it. Yeah, you make a good point. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's it's a it's just a darker movie. Like it's like yeah, you're right. He's like uh, it's almost like he's almost more like a vigilante in the way he handles things. Like a little yeah. bit more like a daredevil. Speaking of daredevil, well, mm, I anyway. that you have no idea how happy that specific scene made me. Yeah, and I don't I, think that's like I don't think that's such a a thing that we're no, not no. allowed to say. Uh, Kevin was, uh, Feige has come out and said like, yeah, uh, Charlie Cox is the official daredevil of the MCU. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't know if you watched the Netflix show. I did. Okay, good. I loved it. Um, have you been watching Hawkeye? No, I haven't been watching anything. It's been, okay. um, it's been honestly, the craziest, craziest time. Yeah, I, I, know, I completely get it. I, I have two um, hours a week that I watch TV shows. I watch Hawkeye on Wednesday, and I watch Wheel of Time on Fridays. That's literally the only thing I do. But uh, in relation to that thing we want to talk about, um, a certain character's counterpoint or his, yeah, his counterpoint, his foil has been introduced in Hawkeye as the main villain of that series. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's, our, that's all over the news at this point. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. Kingpin is in Hawkeye. So yeah. that's dope. Yeah. No, I, I like that they're, they're finally starting to, uh, to mesh all these things together and um, make it make sense. And there was like a lot of the stuff just, kind of concluding on no way home here um mm-hmm. that had me wondering about future potential for yeah where they would go um because i know that like tom holland is apparently still going to be spider-man like they're the latest the latest is that this was kind of an arc of spider-man yeah, movies, yeah. and then there's going to be another trilogy arc of spider-man movies well, but he's he's signed on for like at least three more movies Oh, okay, that's good. I, I'd heard Marvel was going to stop doing uh, like multiple contracts that were going to go from a movie to movie basis. I think just so people couldn't like predict what was coming because I think right. everyone knew Captain America was going to be gone after Endgame, right? Right. But the 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 I think the way it was said was that they're they're doing tr- uh, arcs of trilogies. Or sure, that makes sense. Maybe and then like not, a ten. And then he's not event. going anywhere, which pretty much insinuates that if he comes back, it's going to be yeah. like another another theme trilogy. Well, I mean, the, the trailer for this one was like, this is his beginning, was like the correct. tagline of the last trailer. So Yeah, and then I heard all these things about how um, they want to make Spider-Man um, like the flagship or quintessential MCU character, kind of sure. like Iron Man was before. And I think this current uh, phase of the MCU, Doctor Strange is supposedly the new Iron Man. Well, he seems to be... Um, 
that was still the example that they used. Yeah, no, that's fair though. I mean, I think Spider-Man's a bigger character than Doctor Strange. Like, I think is. Doctor Strange gives gives off that elder, you know, the elder states. Yeah, that's fair vibe. But um, as far as the flagship say, series goes, you're probably right. Going, yeah. So, so getting back to that ending, um, without saying anything, it, it makes sense that they would want to do that and that they would be able to do that with that character the way this movie ends. Yes, hundred percent. Um, and in fact, it's probably one of the only ways they could have done that with that character. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I was, I, I know you weren't, but I was very happy with how they pulled it off. Well, <clears throat> I think it's, I think it's cool that they did it and I think it works, but the, my issues are more with the suspend as, as a, an in-movie solution to things. Sure. Like why they needed to do it that way in the film, other than to progress the film. From a non-in movie thing, you yeah, know I get what you're saying. Yeah, it feels it's like, like a, it's sort of a we need to get us to this status quo. How do we do that? Like it almost, thing? it almost felt a little bit like a Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, it's um, fair because you know, again, you're dealing with dealing with all this power and all these choices and all these things, and it didn't necessarily have to be that. Um, it was a strange thing to have to happen. But the fact that it did happen works in a lot of ways for progressing the story. Yeah, I, 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 get, I get where you're coming from. It did feel a little forced. But I think I think just the fact that I was happy with the outcome, I was able to ignore the artificial nature of that ending. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. I was waiting until... I was Ghostbusters has been out forever, so now I'm going to mm. spoil Ghostbusters. Oh, go for it. Um, obviously, the original Ghostbusters come back. Of course. Um, but the, all the all the talk makes it seem like they're pretty integral parts of the story and that they're going to be in it for more than just a cameo. Well, I knew the movie was an hour and 55 minutes long. Uh, and it, I was looking at my watch and it had already been an hour and 44 and a half. Oh. <laughs> and they still, and everything was all crazy. It was in that big climactic ending. And you knew that because Gozer was there and there was the terror dogs and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I think like the whole universe is taking the piss on me because I don't believe this is actually going to happen because how can they be even gonna, there's, there's not, a, there's credits too. And that counts for the time of the movie. Yeah. So I'm sitting there looking at my watch all of a sudden they show up and they're literally in the movie for six and a half minutes. You yeah, get, right. you get Dan Aykroyd by himself in one scene beforehand, okay. which was cool. It was a good scene. And then you get the original Ghostbusters in one scene at the very end and they were great and a lot my heartstrings were pulled and I was feeling the momentum of it and it was great when they were there Bill Murray was great um there's a post-credit scene with Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver which was fantastic it was probably the best scene in the entire movie oh. um but what I'm trying to say is, is it was a great movie I had no issues with it I thought the new cast was great it was a lot of fun I enjoyed watching it um I was I was wanting something that I didn't really get. I'm reluctant to to think that very many people will, will go into this movie not finding at least something that they want. That's good. And that's where I'll leave it. I do like when writers can do that, when they can, like, they know you want a thing, but they manage to give you something else and leave you satisfied anyway. Right, exactly. It's, it's a good skill. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that's Spider-Man. We will uh, hopefully be able to talk about this movie in a month. 
Oh yeah, um, let's, let's do it at least one other time, like a little bit uh, more than this. I real I, I realized when I decided I want to talk about it that it's still a little bit fresh, probably, and there's lots of people, especially because of COVID, because so many people just don't want to go to movies right now. Anymore. Yeah. Um, that uh, won't see it until it even you know comes out on um, on uh, Disney Plus or wherever it comes out. Yeah. I mean, I still haven't seen the Eternals, but I think it's true. No, I haven't seen. Fun. I haven't seen it either. Yeah, I, I had to risk this one. Luckily, we go to the theater on a Sunday. There, I think there was like six other people in the theater with us, so it's like all right. I, I felt because we can check like the uh, the seating chart before we go to see who who's bought tickets. So it's like all right, two other people have bought right now. The theater will be mostly empty. That's not the only way I'm willing to risk a theater currently, but it was worth it. So, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that's that's all um, That's all I had to talk about. I wanted to, you know, let everybody uh, basically suggested doing this episode just because uh, it's been so many guests. Yeah. And so many so many guests, is fun, it's, but not even guest shows where we do our our talk beforehand, like just shows that are like straight to the yeah, guest. Yeah, and honestly, like again, this is not anything as their guest. I loved it, but like both James Owen and Steven Erickson had so much amazing stuff to say that we barely said shit in any of those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we just had to force people to listen to us for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, I uh, I hope that everybody has a safe, happy, healthy. Uh, Merry Christmas if you celebrate uh, Merry Christmas if you don't celebrate but still love Christmas like me because yeah. um, I absolutely love Christmas um, and uh, a really happy healthy new year yeah so uh, best wishes to everybody and until we talk to you again go read a book mm-hmm.